0: Hey folks, Micah here. We're about to get started, but before we do, I just want to remind you that you can always get show notes for this and every other episode at christiantranshumanistpodcast.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for email updates so we can let you know when new shows are released, when new things happen in the Christian transhumanist community, and most importantly, so that we can connect you with other people just like you, exploring questions just like this. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, I'm Micah Redding, and I'm here with uh, Moritz Berling. And actually, um, uh, am I pronouncing your name right? Because I'm, as an American, I always uh, have to like, second guess my pronunciation. So uh, t- tell me how you would pronounce it.
1: Uh, well, uh, I try to stick with what is easy for people. Mm. Uh, in German, it would mm. be Moritz, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really flow with American or mm-hmm. American English. Right. So I, I tend to go with either Moritz or Moritz, okay. and Moritz is probably the preferred one.
0: Okay. All right. So um, so we actually met um, a few years ago, um, I think in near Valparaiso, uh, Chile, and we um, and since then, you've kind of been going around the world and doing a lot of different things. Um, so maybe um, tell us a little bit about that and kind of what your trajectory is um, and what you've what you've been doing since uh, since we were last, I guess uh, in contact.
1: Sounds good, yeah. I mean, we met in the context of an exosphere boot camp or mm-hmm. academy program, as it was called then, uh, where we took participants through an eight week process of sort of Reassessing their life a bit, maybe mm-hmm. uh, thinking about projects they want to execute, learning new skills, meeting new people, practicing foreign language—all those mm-hmm. things. And so, in the con- in the context that we met, was basically all about self transformation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what you and I share in common. That we we are very interested in what needs to happen or what need what are the conditions in which people are able to sort of relax all the the tension they have inside and mm-hmm. sort of. Settle into a bit more flowy experience, mm-hmm. and then uh, shift their their behavior and their their mode of being, in a sense, into one that is much more resonant with what just, with with what is present inside them mm-hmm. and what is present in the people around them. Mm-hmm. And so, since uh, the 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 experience that you and I shared in that uh, in that academy, where we actually did also exactly that, sort of community building, where people came together in a context of sort of trying to understand each other better, I've been pretty much just extending that, mm-hmm. that interest, that research, like, and that's really what my life is all about. My life is all about trying to figure out what helps people find a stable way of existing in the world mm-hmm. that can also change over time, so their vocation, if you will, which can also change, mm-hmm. and to sort of, if you wanna use some intellectual language, to find their agent arena fit, just like we have in the startup world, this idea of the the, the problem-solution fit or the, the sort of product-market fit, yeah. we can have in our life the idea of the agent-arena fit, mm. uh, which basically just means that you figure out what you are, the agent, okay. what the arena is that you're playing in, and then what the mutual relationship between these two needs to be for you to have a full and meaningful life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like lots of people, especially in our era where societal systems are breaking down as we like look around us, Be that on the technological level, on the social level, on the political level, on the economic level, on all of these levels or in these, all of these arenas, in a sense, the games are breaking and people are having a lot of trouble figuring out how they need to shift their own mode of being such that they can still have uh, an empowered life. Mm -hmm. And so my, my life is really about trying to figure those things out. And just recently in one of the sort of playgrounds where I'm experimenting with ways of doing that uh, called a Volta, um, which is a 10, which was at least in the last instance, a 10 day program where we took uh, Erasmus students. So basically students from all over Europe, from Greece, Italy, Spain and Czech Republic to a a place in Italy. Mm. And we helped them through an end to end process of sort of 10 day uh, transformation it wasn't really sold as that it was more about know yourself that Mm -hmm. was the basic theme of of the of the of the program and so basically what we did was we 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 had people come in we helped them uh like orient themselves first um basically we did journaling we did some meditation we did some hiking that kind of stuff and so in the first five days Mm -hmm. of that program we at least from my perspective intentionally overloaded them with mm. a lot of information that they were unequipped and ill prepared to really ass- <laughs> like to to assimilate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which 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 very closely mirrors actually the program uh, the program structure that you and I participated in, where we where we shared that the thing where people are sort of blasted with information and mm-hmm. they they're like oh I don't know what to do with this and so they are brought from their very structured mm-hmm. non functioning mode of being into a more chaotic state, which mm-hmm. then produces them a frustration. Or, you know, like, oh, what, uh, what do I need to do? Like, how can I, how can I change? Like, mm. what, what's going on? And so that frustration rises up in them literally bodily, mm-hmm. and they express frustration often in the form of, like, complaint, mm. right? Say, oh, you're not doing this program right, or it's, like, this information is not helpful, or, like, this is not really what is present in my life, and just complain, complain, complain. And then what we did, or the halfway mark <laughs> we went and hiked up the Vesuvius, the volcano that is mm. close to Naples mm. for like for 15 kilometers, basically the whole day and 1000 meters in elevation. And so we shifted their mode of being from a passive one of sort of receiving information, sitting back, not doing anything into yeah. an active one. Okay. Now I'm moving out to the world. I'm, I'm, I'm actually scaling a mountain, <laughs> yeah. not just in the religious sense, yeah. <laughs> actually the real, and then so their body gets activated, and then the day after that, yeah. we took them through an OSHO dynamic meditation, hmm. which is basically the opposite of what most people think of meditation, where most people think of meditation as like, "Oh, I gotta sit still and I gotta inhibit my, my, my impulses and I gotta like pay attention to my thoughts and mm-hmm. all this stuff. which is actually the exact opposite of what people should be practicing hmm. when they're the typical Western uh, knowledge worker, where they're not active with their body at all throughout their day. Mm. And the thing you should be doing is actually expressing all the frustration mm. that they have with mm. and holding further in.
2: Yeah. And so hmm.
1: that we took them through that. And in the course of that, where it's like 10 minutes, chaotic breathing, <laughs> like literally not doing, falling into a pattern of breathing, but then oxygenates your body and charges you up with energy. Literally. Then you go into 10 minutes of explosion where people stop inhibiting themselves and they just express, 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 which is basically uh, like screaming, crying, shouting, laughing, uh, crawling on the ground, like uh, rolling up into the fetal position, whatever you've been holding in in your body stored up, literally in muscular tension, you Mm. express that. And then people had sort of, really powerful experience. And then you go through like 10 minutes of warrior stance, jumping up and down, ramming your heels into the ground and like making like a huh! sound hmm. um, to break up more muscular tension.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then 10 minutes of stillness where you have actually a natural meditative state because you've expressed all those impulses hmm. you've been holding in so far. And then sort of 10 minutes of slow movement to re-enter the world. In the course of that experience, I, for the first time had this, had this, i had literally a thought a fully formed thought pop into my head unannounced and it was the following i am a meta missionary i convert people to their own cause
2: hmm hmm
1: and so it was the first time that god spoke back hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice so is it, so is how recent was this this was um, pretty recent for this you this was
1: this was like 10 days ago
0: okay wow so, um, uh, yeah. So that's fascinating. So, um, w- what I was uh, sharing earlier is that I've been kind of going through this process. Last year, um, we had the first uh, annual Christian Transhumanist Conference here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, people came from all over the world. It was um, really an intense um, experience for me, and um, I spent about you know, we, we had such a short window of time to make it happen. Um, we had about two months from the time we announced it to the time it happened. And, um, and so I basically spent that whole two months just intensely trying to, uh, you know, just crazy, you know, make stuff happen, pull stuff together that, you know, really, probably I could not have expected to work. And, um, and even the day of like, or the, the night before we were putting stuff in there, everything was, was not happening the way it was supposed to. And, <laughs> um, and, but we showed up and the next morning and, um, and it was fantastic. And, you know, I poured myself into it, but I really can't take credit for that. There were so many people who kind of jumped in and made it work. And, um, And so, yeah, way better than I could have expected. So this was a huge thing for me. Um, And after that, you know, like, it was like, okay, well, (laughs) well, what now? You know, I put so much energy into getting to that point, like seeing kind of beyond that horizon um, was really, really tough. And so, um, you know, I've been... Uh, you know, it's, we're, we're well into the next year now, but, and I'm working on the follow-up and so forth, but that really kind of catalyzed, um, you know, really thinking about and asking some bigger questions or some deeper questions than I had been about how my own thinking and how my own life was going. And, um, and so that kind of really led me into, um, for one thing, a deep, exploration of just how I learn things, how I come to um, understand things about myself, you know, these kinds of processes. And I think that's, that kind of connects up with some of the the things that you're thinking about and and talking about, both in kind of a, a mechanical way, like the tools we're using and that kind of stuff. And also in this, like understanding really kind of how psychology works and the stresses we put on ourselves in order to kind of create growth and so forth. I don't know. Does that does that connect with uh, what you're thinking?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about this experience just now that you had with the conference, Mm -hmm. I I see a lot of parallels between the the types of activities that you and I are engaging in where it's Mm -hmm. not anymore just about figuring out things for ourselves, although that still is present and still, of course, relates Mm -hmm. to what we're doing. But it's actually already about bringing other people together Mm -hmm. and helping them bring that resonance inside Mm -hmm. of them Mm -hmm. into being Mm -hmm. and so something that I think that that people struggle with a lot again is that finding that resonance with a signal that is inside them but that Mm -hmm. they're obscuring if you want to call it that it is that spark of divinity that each of us has inside of us Mm -hmm. but often we have cultural conditioning we have distractions like social media and tv we have uh, all these kinds of expectations that people have upon us that prevent us from actually ever listening inside rather than always orienting ourselves to the external world. Yeah. And so these kind of gatherings where the focus is specifically about, or specifically on bringing that resonance out, like helping people basically tune that mm, fork wow. that they have available mm. to, to listen into that signal inside and then to amplify that internally so that they build internal coherence that is something that is missing from a lot of the contexts like school, like work, like uh, university, all these social contexts that are supposedly about bringing out the fullness of life in us as humans. Um, but oftentimes fail to do so. Mm. And so it, these kind of gatherings are necessary because all these other contexts are failing to do their job in preparing us as children first and then, and then continuously throughout life as adults for, the changes in the environment, in, in the world, in the economy, in the society that are continuously occurring and that we need to continuously adapt ourselves to and that we also need to adapt to ourselves. Mm. And so I think what you're doing with these kind of gatherings and what I'm also doing with the gatherings that I'm uh, helping bring about is giving a, a, a safe and a challenging space for people mm-hmm. to to join together together. Uh, sort of open up and be vulnerable a bit in Mm -hmm. that space where they don't have to defend themselves against accusations of being this or doing that uh, because that's usually what happens when you share what is inside you without abandon and -hmm. somebody takes the very literal understanding of what you just said and makes that the totality of your being Mm -hmm. Uh, these kind of spaces where like okay this is a christianity and transhumanist conference means, okay, I can talk about those things and I don't need to fear that people will attack me for either one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then you can actually help people bring those things into relationship to each other and help them, this actually the most important thing that everybody forgets with conferences, it's not about selling things, it's not about uh, like distributing information, it's not about uh, like all of those superficial things that are the excuse to bring people together, but mm-hmm. it's about actually bringing the people together, mm-hmm. so they have the new relationships that then they can move out into the world again from, and know that they have more people that are rooting for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, the the big thing that I tried to emphasize with our conference is basically creating um, creating the tension that that you were referencing, right? Like creating. Um, This, you know, putting this juxtaposition of things that people don't want to put too close together and then saying, "Okay, um, we're here, so they're going to be together and this is going to create a challenge that we're going to have to enter into and all of us are going to be changed by that, right? There's yes. there's not a, there's not a, you can't be in the conversation without being open to being challenged and, and changing in the conversation. Right. And so there's not kind of a, um, you know, and this is, this is a, a, a tough thing for, for a lot of folks because we're not coming in and saying, okay, we're, we're going to stand over here and make pronouncements into yes. a different <laughs> subculture yes. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're going to engage with uh between different subcultures and right. um and try to create change in that.
1: that that's amazing like you're pointing to something really really important that i think uh offers an opportunity a possibility to resolve some of the tension that is seemingly continuously increasing 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 in our political uh uh, spaces, uh, or even the universities where a lot of this sort of safe space culture is being talked about, mm. sometimes in a positive, sometimes in a negative light, uh, which is the, the reason for that, seem, I think seems to me to be that college is perceived as a non-voluntary thing to go through, mm. to be a full participant of society, right? Mm. Like people think they need to go to college to be a functioning member of society and to have any shot whatsoever mm. at a good life in the middle class. Which is right. just not true, but the perception of that produces this this feeling in people. They need to move into that space, and mm-hmm. so when they are in that space, they expect certain things to carry forward from their upbringing, or to to make them feel safe to express whatever is on their mind, even when that thing is challenging. Mm-hmm. And so, so then we have, of course, because people come from very different backgrounds, we have a radical and sometimes violent either physically or verbally or psychologically mm-hmm. clashing of those perspectives mm-hmm. and then a breakdown in, in understanding. Mm-hmm. And then from out, from there on out, the people move into society and think of themselves as a Republican, a Democrat, a Christian, an atheist, rather than a human that has multiple facets to them. Mm-hmm. And that can find with each other human, at least one or two bridges or dimensions upon which they can sort of walk to each other's minds across. Mm-hmm. And so what you're talking about is you are you're making basically with our conference a, an explicitly safe but also challenging space mm-hmm. that invites people from two very different but seemingly and seemingly unrelated seemingly unrelated mm-hmm. places spaces to come together and explicitly voluntarily self-select into that conversation. And it's mm-hmm. because of the voluntary self-selection that people can sort of relax a bit their defences and not. Uh, expect somebody else who is there, un- involuntarily, to disrupt that process. Yeah. And so this is something that I'm seeing more and more as sort of the, the basis on which each social organism or group needs to understand its role in relationship to its constituent members to to make the space in which the conversation or the work or the, the family life or all those things happen, a safe one for and, and, a, and a developmental one. Mm the constituent members of that group uh, are being encouraged and helped along for developing and increasing their range of capacity Mm -hmm. for ways of participating with the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a a, a powerful, powerful thing where rather than having all these involuntary social groupings where people are fighting over perceived scarce psychological territory, Mm To, to break that framing, make it a thing of oh, we don't actually have scarce psychological territory. We have incredibly abundant psychological territory. Mm-hmm. And it is your task as an individual to like to make bring yourself into coherence, like integrate all the parts of yourself, mm-hmm. rather than being like moved in this direction from social media and this direction from your church mm-hmm. and this direction from all the other places. But like bring all those things into relationship in yourself. And for the group to help you and then for you as a powerful agentic, like full agency member of a group to s- assist the people around you in replicating that. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is sort of a, a possible resolution to the seemingly um, unresolvable dichotomy between collectivism and individualism that mm-hmm. especially in the American context is so powerfully opposed. Yeah. And, and so at, this, at the root of so many different conflicts that, We need to shift that and have it be one where the task of the individual is to be one in the context of each group that is a member of to solve more problems than it generates.
2: Hmm.
1: And the, the task of the group as such, which is also, of course, only made up of other members, is to support each member in the way that that member requires assistance to get to that sort of zero to one in agency point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that um, resonates with some a lot of things I've been thinking about group dynamics and kind of the, the connection between the function of a group and what it conceives of its uh, role and purpose as being. And I really kind of see it as like a macrocosm, microcosm thing. Like we're composed of, of pieces that are somewhat divergent or conflicted and our task is to reconcile those and we're part of groups which are somewhat divergent and conflicted, and we also are trying to reconcile within those, and so this kind of, this same or very similar process is happening at all these different scales, and thinking about how that kind of integration process works um, and how we have to orient ourselves to engage in it has been, yeah, one of the big themes that I've kind of been wrestling with Uh, For for months now, I guess
1: Very very interesting that it closely matches my thinking on this as well Like especially the idea of that we ourselves are also composed of other smaller Uh parts, right? Like we are made up of cells. Yeah cells are like are existing on a trillion like multi trillion level within us Mm -hmm. that don't really have a conflict with each other It's not really about like this cell at the expense of the other cell. It is literally all about how can each cell find the, the the role in the larger body, literally, uh, of what it can do to support its surrounding members and what those other surrounding members can do to support it. Yeah. And so we are already operating on a multi-trillion uh, 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 level as one. Yeah. And I think the same task is up now upon us on our scale as humans to figure out how we can make a multi-billion planet work as one, not in, in the sense of this... This woo-woo or or stupid notion of unity—we are all one, and we are all like like we're all the same. No, 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 Mm no. Like it's not about being the same. It's not about being one and like with everybody, but rather to find your fit with the world around you, Mm -hmm. and of course will change over time. But then, for each of the scales Mm -hmm. to find to enter into a coherent relationship with the other parts Mm -hmm. on its scale Mm -hmm. and with the scale of uh, above and below it and so this then starts to get into the direction especially in the com- christian conversation the christian context the christian mm-hmm. tradition what uh, you could call the encephalization of no. the human body or the, of, of the social body mm. and i don't know whether you've ever heard of this term but the idea is encephalization is basically the growing into uh one brain or one body of humankind mm-hmm. um and literally sort of in the Christian tradition we have a lot of apocalyptic thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like what does apocalypse actually mean? The mm-hmm. word lit- the word literally means revelation or mm-hmm. uncovering, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not actually about this apocalyptic notion of everything will crash and everything will die and everything will be destroyed, but it is more specifically about reckoning or mm-hmm. reconciliation of the accounts. Yeah. And so where most, where a lot of the Christian sects have in their mind this relatively simplistic or low-resolution image of Christ returning to earth in the form of one man descending from heaven. Mm -hmm. We can have Christ returning to earth, but in the form of us, Mm -hmm. of us emulating the actions of Christ, not the words that other people wrote about him. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a beautiful, beautiful vision for the Christian community to contribute to the conversation in the larger world that what Christ brought us is a way of being in the world, a a way of orienting yourself to your fellow man and women Mm -hmm. that allows you to enter into strong trust relationships with them and makes you, helps you recognize them as of the same stuff as you of the Mm -hmm. same kin. And to do that, not only in the family context, but in all contexts. Mm -hmm. And so the end civilization of the world is about, Uh, helping people, again, do what I described earlier, of finding that internal resonance, that internal way of being in the world and that orientation toward others and toward themselves Mm -hmm. that allows them to enter into a stable relationship with others based on which you can then do work, you can do family, you can do friendships, you can do politics, you can do all of those things, but from that basic resonance inside of you with other people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, this actually weirdly is a a fundamental part of the Christian faith that gets lost, which is that the thing to do, the thing that we're doing is to be transformed into the image of Christ, right? Like we are imaging, um, what it, what it looks like to be that kind of a human being, right? And, um, that, that's the whole thing. Like the, the, the idea of, um, you know what's going to what kind of future will unfold and all this kind of stuff proceeds out from that you know right. um it's the uh i i was talking about it with some people recently the the way i explained it was that it's it's not that we need a new um creation it's that we need a new us um and that is the new creation, uh, yes. which then proceeds into the rest of of the material existence, and yes. that's that's how the New Testament talks. It says, you know, if anyone is in Christ, behold the new creation. You know, this is um, this is a core idea. This is why Christ is significant, because if it was just getting into a land flowing with milk and honey, or just creating the perfect political system and legal system, well, that had already been tried, right? right. So becoming the new kind of humanity, the new version of humanity, um, is the core thing that, right. that we are, um, needing to do in order to build a better world and deal with the big challenges that we face. Right.
1: Right. And it, it, you're basically this understanding and not just this intellectual understanding, but this embodied understanding
2: mm-hmm.
1: is, and the way that of being that that is mm-hmm. is this is the the generator seat the generator function of mm-hmm. a, a powerful way for each individual to show up in the world and mm-hmm. to solve the problems that they see around them both for themselves but also for other people mm-hmm. and so this is literally what we were trying to do and we're still continuing to do also at exosphere the place that you and i met for the first time mm-hmm. it was described specifically as a learning and problem-solving community Basically a place that people go to to learn about themselves to learn about the world to learn about people mm-hmm. and then and on technology like the stuff that we do with with inanimate matter
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and to to figure out how all of those things need to relate to them and to the world such that they can mo- and how they need to change themselves because that's that's the only place where you can actually change things you can never actually change other people unless they allow you to change them mm-hmm. and so you figure out first how you need to change yourself, how you need to shift your orientation to yourself and to the world. And then once you have that fundamental process complete, or at least from zero to one, to mm-hmm. sort of mirror the Thiel, Peter Thiel language in the sort of startup world, mm-hmm. um, zero to one in agency, you can then go from one to n. You are, mm-hmm. y- once you get to solving more problems than you're generating, or at least having the balance, you can then go to how many problems can I solve? Mm-hmm. And the question, I think, that is at the root of this and that, that you also have previously in your newsletters pointed to is that potential is unknowable. It's infinite. It's mm-hmm. also what uh, Jordan Peterson talks about when he mm-hmm. talks about we don't know how good the world mm-hmm. can be if we only find a way to help people on a broad scale express, fully express that the full potential they have within them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. I think um, there is, I think there is an incredible potential that we have as individuals, as communities, as humanity, as the world to unfold unprecedented flourishing that we have, like we can only barely imagine, right? And so the, the, the need is there to imagine bigger um, yes, and to understand also that it pre- where it co- comes from, right? Yes, um, and, oh, and yes. that kind of points us to, um, you know, integration. It points us to coherence. It points us to all these things. Um, yes. so l- let's connect this to some some practical discussions. One thing I want to I want to yeah. say
1: something here because you, you're pointing again to something very powerful. It is this idea of integration, but it's also this idea of uh, grounding. The, the, the seemingly very abstract or seemingly yep. very high minded stuff that yep. we are talking about here. Um, and so I've been really enjoying recently the use of a metaphor for this that I think is more than a metaphor, actually. Mm. So I've been using the, the, the tree parable in a sense that uh, trees are organisms like us that have the ability to reach high okay. with their with their branches and with their leaves and to like, to receive the energy from above
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with with the sun giving that energy down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also have a root network that mm-hmm. reaches into the ground, into the soil and allows them to, to literally uh, get the nutrition from the soil. Mm-hmm. And not only that, and this is something that we have been only recently finding out and it's starting to permeate a sort of broader set of people, broader consciousness. And it was beautifully depicted actually in the recent second season of the tv show DOA. i don't know whether you've seen it but it's know, an really. absolutely it's an absolutely beautiful telling of this I, I really recommend people to to watch that to to see action. This understanding which is that trees are not just trees trees are not just self-contained organisms that are planted here and planted there mm. and they don't have any connection but rather they are parts of a single super organism mm. that under the ground that they are connected to through a mycelial mushroom network Hmm. and so literally what they have underground is an internet Mm -hmm. they have their own tree internet Mm -hmm. that allows them to signal between each other hey i'm in need like can Mm -hmm. you share some resources or hey i have more energy available than i know what to do with do you want some and so they are literally part of of a larger body that is supporting each member according to its needs and according to its potential and how do they do it they reach up to the top and -hmm. they root themselves in the ground. Mm -hmm. And so here's something that I I recently stumbled upon. Like I was in Italy for two days and spent some time with the other founder of Exosphere, uh, Antonio Mano, an Italian. And so in the car while we were driving, he had this sort of Freudian slip uh, of saying bottom down. Mm. In the context of him wanting to talk about bottom (laughs) up and top down, (laughs) <laughs> and so what I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is mm-hmm. an amazing understanding. What does this mean? We have to shift our understanding, especially in the political context, from one of, oh, we are doing from bottom up movements and from top down, like control and authority, to one of, oh, you as an individual need to figure out how you can go bottom down, reach mm-hmm. your root network into the ground and connect up to the internet. Of people around you literally, even through the internet specifically, and how you can grow from the top up, reach mm. your branches to the sun and sort of channel God channel mm. energy from up top
0: hmm you bottom down and top up I ca yeah, I like that i I never have have heard that phrase those phrases before, but I think that's that's perfect our um yeah, our potential is in some sense defined by that which is higher than us and that which is lower than us. Yes. And, um, yeah, expanding the um, – I'm, I'm, I don't know if this is a, a good connection or not, but I think of like vertical integration in yes. in uh, industry and so forth. Yes. Um, that, that we need to engage in digging deeper into the core of yes. kind of how reality works in the yes. value chain of existence, so to speak. Yes. Um, if we want to really flourish um, beyond what we've currently reached.
1: Right. And I think a, a, another beautiful sort of component of this uh, is that the mushroom network is underground. You mm-hmm. can't actually see it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like, it is not visible. Mm-hmm. And so it, the same is happening on the global scale. Like we have now uh, surpassed the point where the actions of one person in Calcutta have no effect whatsoever on somebody in Maine. Yeah. And so because information now travels globally instantaneously, and so the sort of dominator ego, the, 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 the original uh, manifestation or the, the original full expression of the male capacity, the male self-understanding of the one that moves out into the world and conquers territory and establishes order in the world, is still valuable but it needs to shift its own functioning into one of Mm -hmm. i am conquering new territory but not new territory in in geography Mm -hmm. but new territory up here Mm -hmm. and in here Mm -hmm. and so it's psycho psychonauts Mm -hmm. not like geonauts or astronauts Mm -hmm. and so um the process of that integration that you speak about happens not uh, like it's the revolution, the the evolution won't be televised, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. we won't see this until it's already done in a sense. Like, Mm -hmm. so it happens by one to one to one to one to one. Mm -hmm. And so the task here is not, look, people, everything's different now. No, 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 The task is what do I need to do to help the people around me be like, have a better experience in life to Mm -hmm. learn how to participate with the Mm -hmm. world around them, Mm -hmm. not one of how do I conquer or Mm -hmm. how do I like uh, uh, defend. Mm -hmm. And so people turn evil or their orientation turns bad or they break from too much trauma when they have a very limited range of participation with the world and the situation, the environment around them momentarily forces them to move out of that part of that range and they don't feel comfortable enough to move out of the range Mm. and they break Mm. and then they turn evil. Then they turn on being itself. And this is what happens with school shooters, for example, school shooters, they shoot up schools because they are the receiving end of a breakdown of systems in all dimensions of the school system that doesn't actually develop them into full humans. Of the, uh, the 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 um, the pharmaceutical industry that pumps them full with medical mm. uh, uh, pills that have massive side effects and allow them to dissociate from from everything. Mm. They have they are the receiving end of family breakdown because actually most school shooters don't have a dad at home that can model to them a, a healthy expression of the masculine of masculinity. Mm. So, and there are many more areas where that's sort of coming together and so they are literally at the intersection of all of these breaking mm-hmm. systems tearing them apart disintegrating them that then is too much for them to handle and they they shift their fundamental orientation against innocence against life itself mm-hmm. and so what school shooters are telling us with their actions not with their words is we are failing to make a world work for them
0: mm-hmm. that
1: that actually makes them into normal people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think about that with like a lot of different uh, things that that we see. You know, where people kind of lash out violently, and um, obviously there's there's guilt, um, you know, on on their part. But there's also kind of a, a thing for society to to look at and say, um, have we failed to provide them a way to integrate into our world and to find, a, you know, a vested interest in our world in, in essence, because, you know, as we go forward into, um, you know, and this is part of the kind of stuff that I engage with a lot, like thinking about erratically disruptive technological future we have the potential for the kinds of weapons and the kinds of destructive acts that are fundamentally unprecedented and you know the big thing for the 20th century was the atom bomb right um and it changed the the way we thought about the interconnectedness of the world but if we have the the ability of rogue individuals to Um, bring about vast destruction um, which we are increasingly going to have then the only answer to that is to um, address you know the fundamental question of existence which is how do you integrate into a society how do you find a meaningful place in that society Um, because we're not going to be able to do it through uh, just conventional kinds of of uh, police and militarization action like it, it just right. won't work um right terrorism is one you know way we've seen this you know really kind of put stresses on our, our way of thinking about society right um but and, yeah that's like being able to address that kind of need in a really comprehensive way is a difficult question
1: <laughs> right. but it's and, the, the question and it doesn't happen on the political level and this is what everybody misunderstands like it's it's not that you, I mean, of course, the political level contributes to this massively, but it's, it, the breakdown of it contributes mm-hmm. to it massively. So, uh, and, and so the question is always like, where's the leverage point? Mm-hmm. Where, where is the, the best lever we can pull to have the most effect with the least effort, right? Mm-hmm. And for every individual, just as Jordan Peterson says, it has to be first on the individual level. They have to first like mm-hmm. clean up their room. -hmm. And and sort of get the the very uh, like very close proximity surroundings of themselves into order, Mm -hmm. such that they have at least that capacity Mm -hmm. to solve their own problems first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once they have that, then they can move out into the world. And I think this is the other part of the message that Pearson has been not really emphasizing, but that needs to be also uh, like charted out for people to to sort of uh, journey toward uh, is that path of. Okay, once I have established just a little bit of order in my life around me, like basically created my axis mundi, my Mm -hmm. sort of axis of the world, what can I do now? And the next leverage point is always at sort of slowly increasing scales. You don't Mm -hmm. immediately run for governor or, Mm -hmm. or president and become the president. You know, like that's not how it works. And also if you just vote and think that voting is the only best or exclusive way that you can participate in democracy or in society, then Mm -hmm. you're massively deceiving yourself and others and are like relinquishing your participation and your contribution to the society that you live in Mm -hmm. by just like reducing it to that as the totality. Mm -hmm. And so when people bring order into their own life, and they start to maybe even fix their family, or not fix their family, but to invite the members of their family to participate with them in a more honest, more trusting, more beautiful way, they can then start to build sort of in that ecosystemic way of increasing capacity, their ability to act within within the world and to to increase their own, not exactly power, but agency. Mm -hmm. The, the, The ability to participate in this context and that context and that context over there that makes them become valued and valuable members to the communities they are a part of. And we are all members of multiple communities, not just one anymore. We are mm-hmm. participating in school, in work, in, in, in friendships, in, in family, all of those places. Mm-hmm. And so basically, once you have established that order, you can help the, the communities that you are a part of come into internal coherence again. And, it's, and this is sort of the, the process of life itself. If you look at how biology works, how do cells actually enter into larger configurations? They form at each scale a functional relationship between individual cells, mm-hmm. individual pieces, and then form a new membrane around those mm-hmm. relate, newly relating parts. Hmm. And so we in ourselves, us as humans, we are made up of, ears and nose and eye and mouth and organs inside us and so those are all functionally coherent and from the environment partially separated uh, uh, units that have semi-permeable membranes that Mm -hmm. things can pass into and pass out of Mm -hmm. and that have a role to play in the larger body literally Mm -hmm. and so it is that kind of understanding that kind of uh way of managing membranes or, or sort of functional units with boundaries that we need to get good at first on the individual level and then at increasing scales on the com- in the communities and the communities of communities and the communities of communities of communities, of communities that mm-hmm. we are a part of. And mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful vision for the world, not only to bring meaning into the lives of individuals, but also to set right the, the functioning of the companies, the communities, the churches, the, the schools that we are part of. And then as you scale upward to city, to state, to nation state, to region, to like continent, to the world, mm-hmm. you find a way that is consistent across all of those scales and that allows each regionally or, or geographically limited uh, expression of life to function and operate in the mode that it is accustomed to, the mm-hmm. way that it is able to enter into a stable relationship with the things around it and to receive energy that the sun is blasting our planet with, and Mm -hmm. then to enter into a functional state relationship with all the other ones that are also on the planet. And I think this is a kind of understanding that provides, I think, a path forward for the proper relationship also between different faiths, for sort of an an ecumenical understanding Mm -hmm. of religious traditions, that each religious tradition originated somewhere. Mm -hmm. It originated somewhere, and it gave the people there a way of surviving in incredibly harsh natural environments that were unforgiving and so the religions emphasized specific ways of being in the world Mm -hmm. that allowed that community and then the other communities around it that adopted this way of life to survive in those places Mm -hmm. and so they have an inherently given legitimacy because they enabled people to survive but this is not enough in this new world where everything is connected to everything else now we need to figure out how each of those individual, like geographically deter- somewhat determined expressions of life and, and of being, uh, a function. How to bring those into a proper relationship with each other, mm-hmm. and to 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 recognize in each other that each other's like that, that the other one is also a legitimate expression of God as such.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, uh, this has been a a big thing in terms of thinking about um, you know, I I typically would express it in terms of the Abrahamic mission. So the, in the Judeo Christian um, you know, tradition and, and you know, Islam, Judaism and Christianity um, are Abrahamic faiths. And they trace back to Abraham who is called to bless all nations and all peoples. And so this is the fundamental orientation of, you know, how do you form a tribe? How do you form a people whose existence uh, benefits the whole, not, you know, in and against them, Uh, you know, and and this actually in the Genesis story is set up as a pretty strong contrast with what the um, other kind of bad guys in the story are doing. Abraham is the one who's called to form people who will be blessed through their process of blessing others right and right. Um, that that fundamental orientation um, I think is the is the thing right We don't need yes. to dissolve um, identity we don't need to dissolve the yes um, the entity itself we need to find a way to make that sure that entity is blessing um, and contributing to everyone else.
1: That's right, yeah, exactly. Like, this is not a, a process of dissolution of the integrity of of mm-hmm. like already existing things. Like mm-hmm. th- we don't need to destroy religions, we don't need to destroy identities, we don't need to destroy people. Mm-hmm. We need to uh, invite, and this is the really powerful, important thing. Like it's not one of converting people mm. involuntarily by basically making them accept tenets of faith. Uh, without knowing the full extent of what they're doing and doing so only because they are being made to accept those tenets by the systems systems around them, but instead to invite people to join you in that different way of being, in that different way of orienting yourself to yourself and others around you. And then that is also that union, that relationship is that much stronger because you voluntarily self-selected into that way of being. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, also the the, the proper way of understanding the integration and the synthesis between the Nietzschean uh, ethos and the Nietzschean uh, sort of will to power understanding and the the Christian thing that he used, that he sort of is today taken as being an attacker of, Mm -hmm. but that he was actually trying to defend by subjecting it to massive criticism Mm -hmm. and the parts of, and, and, and sort of letting it. Uh, letting it let go, the parts of it that are not up to the task of, of sort of the new world. And so what Nietzsche talked about was this idea of will to power, right? Will to power is sort of his poetic way of talking about the ability of humans to fully express life, right? To, 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 mm-hmm. to capture energy and to, to, to grow and to, to be vibrant members mm-hmm. of life. Um, which is something that all animals all life does it captures energy for itself and it defends itself against capturing from other entities mm-hmm. right and that's actually what the brainstem in ourselves the medulla is uh, Is supposed to be doing it, we have two different modes of being in the world which are to Take like the prey drive which is to acquire energy mm-hmm. and then the sort of fight flight freeze response which is to recoil from something that wants to Like, uh, integrate your energy into it, Mm -hmm. and so everything that happens in your brain that developed in your brain after the brainstem, after the medulla, the cerebellum first, and then the cerebrum proper are just higher frequency, in a sense, modulation of those two drives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You understand, like the, the cerebellum is uh gave you the capacity to for example stand up straight to bring into a proper relationship mm. all of the senses within you that uh you need to be paying attention to 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 be more able to move fluidly through your surroundings and then the cere- the cerebrum proper the largest part of our brain which is like sort of split into these two halves we have allows it to modulate that even further and this developed uh massively especially with literacy as well mm. like literacy What does literacy give us like and this is actually what the Abrahamic uh, faith and the Abrahamic people brought to the world as well or massively developed alongside the Greeks Mm -hmm. um, that 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 integrate into this way of being, which is the alphabet, Mm -hmm. the alphabet we use today and the way of of doing literacy with books and all the stuff Mm -hmm. linear exposition is what uh, what uh, the Greeks gave us that was standardized for the first time with the Greeks, Mm -hmm. and that was a massive carrier of the Christian message. Um, mm-hmm. And so with that, uh, with that with what literacy does is it allows us to represent things, right? But pay attention to the word here, representation, mm-hmm. the ability to take something, externalize it into some format mm-hmm. and to then at a future point in time to re-present it. Mm-hmm. And so this is what you and I have both been exploring in the last two years, I think, Mm -hmm. this building a second brain idea Mm -hmm. of how do you externalize your perceptions in the world into a form that allows you to re-present it at a future point in time Mm -hmm. so that you can change your own actions, your own scripts, your own coding, literal like hardware coding of your genetic code and your software coding of your brain such that you can more functionally participate with the world. Mm-hmm. And so what I, sh- what I just explained with the medulla, the cerebellum and the cerebrum is mapped or is matched and, and maps to our mm. ability to, to modulate our mm. expression of those moving towards and recoiling from modes of being with the help of tools and technology. Mm. What do what tools and technology allow us to do? They allow us to extend our body and our mind into the environment in a way that allows us to modulate those things. And so literacy was so incredibly powerful because it, for the first time, gave us a way to to take that shared attention that we as humans are uniquely good at between ourselves
2: yeah. and
1: to 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 make it extend not only into space, but also through time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? or the, the stone tablets, the clay tablets that right. Moses from god are incredibly persistent and so they allow a group of humans to communally reference a shared understanding and sort of give it a binding force a, a sort of genetic code on the group level yeah to animate its spirit
0: yeah hmm yeah okay so that yeah that there's a couple things there that um are really um shooting off some, some brain sparks for me. But um, this, what you did there connecting um, some of the things we're talking about in, I guess, what people call personal knowledge management, right? With with these big questions of structure and so forth. That's, that's also what, for me, that's been making sense. That's kind of how my mind has been playing through some of these things. Um, right. So, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there now, or, or maybe I don't know if there's a lot. There's some stuff out there now about this kind of you know, concept of building a second brain. Uh, and you have a framework that you kind of have mentioned that's kind of connecting to a bunch of big, bigger things. So yeah. talk through that, like talk through the levels of, of this from kind of the, the most basic form of what we're talking about to kind of ha- how you're seeing this
1: right 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 well i think i can start at a, a much much deeper level in a sense mm-hmm. and because because well i know, I'll think well, we'll get to a deeper level as I, as I move through it but let's start with the individual with the human the, the thing that is right now watching us mm-hmm. uh, speak about this uh, on the recording
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and i'm speaking to you the audience here as well uh you have a body, you have a mind, and of course, in the Western world, we have so far broken down those two things into two separate units. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there, in some strains of Christianity, there is a very strong disregard for the body mm-hmm. and a strong emphasis on the sort of uh, uh, brain or the spirit of the human, which they, which they sort of, or which Christians in, in those er- in those sort of uh, streams or strains. Emphasize much more than the body and say is eternal and sort of with God and all of those things and and lives on Once the Mm. body decays Mm. which is a very powerful and 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 important understanding because it allows us to emphasize That the spirit is above all Mm. right and and that's also captured in the sort of Trinitarian understanding of spirit God and Christ Mm. that those three units are one but Mm. they have their expression fully in three different things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and so but what what that de-emphasizing of the body does is it sometimes leads to a um a wrong relationship to your own body as one that is bad and that mm-hmm. the flesh is bad right the mm-hmm. flesh is preventing desire is uh, preventing you from fully coming into that spiritual way of being mm-hmm. uh, and that is correct because this like the, the sort of desire the flesh is a powerful powerful driver of human activity and human action, and it should not be underestimated how just mm-hmm. how much it determines your your, your actions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sometimes in psychological literature, they now talk about the elephant and the rider,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the elephant is sort of the beast in you, the animal that mm-hmm. that just goes where it wants, and the rider on top of the elephant sa- like points towards things and says, "Hey, let's go there," but the elephant just goes wherever it wants, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah.
1: And so, again. <laughs> Again, in this framing, you need to bring into proper relationship both of those parts mm-hmm. such that the rider allows the elephant to go wherever it goes to, in order to still its desires to be able to sort of have enough nutrition, uh, mm-hmm. have enough movement, have enough uh, water, all of those mm-hmm. things, the things that the animal in us needs to simply guarantee our survival. But then once those needs are satisfied to a, to a basic level, to emphasize a different thing, which is to direct the action of the elephant into a mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. relationship to the other elephants. Mm -hmm. And then once that is happening with the other elephants and also to the world around, all of those things. So Mm -hmm. at escalating scales, both in time as well as in surroundings. And so on the human level, we need to get good at satisfying our elephants satisfying are yeah. the animal within us to a mm-hmm. basic degree, because if you don't, you're just going to die and you're mm-hmm. going to cause more problems also for the people around you because you're not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what happens there when you don't do, or like all the Christian, all the traditions, not only the Christian tradition, but all religious traditions emphasize, not, not only religious, but also martial traditions mm-hmm. emphasize the very first step, on the path toward God has to be the self-disciplining, right? The mm. the the ascetic path, mm. the ascetic, the ascetic, mm. which is the ability to deny your urges, deny your impulses, which is why monks live in, in, in cloisters and monasteries to separate themselves physically from the surroundings, so mm. that they are not they are not being blasted with all that day-to-day annoying. A minute, irrelevant activity that would pull them away from their mission, which is to come into a closer relationship with Christ and God, mm-hmm. right? And so once you get good at, good enough at disciplining yourself, sort of uh, satisfying, but also denying your, your urges and your desires, this is not where you should stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to now, this is what Nietzsche talked about, he 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 admonished christians and christianity for its failure to go the next step Hmm. for its failure to stop short at just self-denial which Mm -hmm. is fundamentally a life denying Mm -hmm. mode of being right Mm -hmm. if you just deny yourself you're denying life and you're not giving expression to life
2: yeah
1: and so but it's important it's necessary to not cause problems for yourself and for people around you so once you've gotten to that point the next step after self-denial is to deny the denial Hmm. it is to turn that denial on itself and to again fully express the impulses Hmm. and the the things within you basically on if you want to put it onto a a physiological and and sort of psychological level we as humans are animals that are giving like that are programmed by the genetic code through god through the genetic code by god if you will to To execute scripts (laughs) if you want to use programming understanding Mm -hmm. execute scripts of stimulus coming to me through my retina Oh response I need to move towards it to capture it I need to move away from it to escape capture right Mm -hmm. that is programmed in us at such deep level in the genetic code that we are nearly slaves to that Mm -hmm. so the first step is to discipline that to get to satisfy the basic urges to and then to gain that little leeway, that little sort of open that door so that you have more like space to do other things. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: And so this happens, and I'm sort of currently debating how deep I want to go, <laughs> uh, this happens by, by literally like, there's a, there's a whole conversation that I've been part of for the past two years that, uh, I want to sort of bring into here. Uh, which I think holds a key a key piece to, bri- to the resolving the the unnecessary and actually quite destructive separation between uh, religion and science mm-hmm. we have in the Western world currently an opposition between religion and science where religious people feel under attack by science because scientists understand themselves as wanting to dispel the myth of the the unfounded belief right Mm -hmm. of of faith and they conceive of faith as something that inhibits humans from seeing the world as it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i think that's 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 powerful it's beautiful it's necessary it's helpful but where where the faith of a christian or of any religious person is anchored in the beliefs that will pull the rug out from underneath them, destroy the foundations on which they build their faith and make people fundamentally nihilistic and then turn into terrorists, turn into people who do bad things mm-hmm. or who just kill themselves. It's that sort of suicidal impulse as well where, oh, there's no reason for me to exist because those beliefs are not true. Mm-hmm. So I need, I, I don't care anymore about myself and I kill myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the, the, the The path forward here, I think, is to to have people not assign so much importance in their religious practice to the words, Mm -hmm. or rather to, yes, pay attention to the words and make words mean something, but don't follow Christ just in belief. Don't just follow the dogma. Actually live like Christ. Mm -hmm. Live like him act like christ act like muhammad act like the beautiful and powerful religious leaders that have founded these faiths and by the way not only the abrahamic faiths but all faiths like the pagans the heathens the whoever it is even scientologists if you will Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and to to help people conceive of their religious practice as something that they do rather than that they profess to believe in Mm -hmm. and so that then sort of reconceives of the Bible not as an account of what you have to believe to get into heaven, Mm -hmm. but of what Christ did that you can emulate Mm -hmm. so that you will have a powerful, beautiful life and heaven on earth Mm -hmm. that will make worth life living and will allow you to orient yourself to the people around you in a way that is meaningful, powerful, beautiful and a full expression of life, not a denial of life and so go, yeah,
0: go ahead. no i think i think there's a, a lot to that there's um uh, and that's to be like a whole other conversation but i i think um we of, can make
1: serious too we don't have to like, <laughs> deal with everything today <laughs> yeah
0: so um i've been doing a lot of research on francis bacon um and um who's the considered the kind of father of the scientific method and he understands his work as a theological project. Yes. Um, And he, what he's doing, uh, one thing that he does particularly that's really kind of evocative to me is that he reads Genesis one as a model for how we are to engage in the world. And so rather than um, reading it primarily as like a historical account, um, he reads it as like, oh, God is modeling for us the creative process that we can engage in. And that's what science is. And so right. when he comes up with a scientific method, he calls it the six day process. Um, because th- that that's how he's thinking of it, is that wow. he's reading scripture as a model for how we um, how we you know, engage in being the image of God. Right. Which I is, know that. that's incredible. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really profound and it's, it's really under reported, you know, nobody, right. nobody talks about this in, in that I am aware of, but um, the, uh, but it, it's kind of poignant because these, these, you know, Francis Bacon and kind of formulating that understanding um, that you know, led to a lot of the scientific, you know, revolution and so forth that then came into conflict with this other understanding, right? This other way of reading Genesis one, um, as a chronology, um, that, which then presented a lot of tension for religious believers. And I, I feel like if Bacon's, um, way of interpreting Genesis one had gotten more, Press more airtime, there would have been a way for religious believers to kind of navigate those challenges in a different right. sense. Uh, right. So anyway, that kind of that's like a whole tangent, but uh, that's that kind beautiful. of came up. Yeah,
1: that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I I, I am I, I quite I don't really have regret because I wasn't aware of what I was doing back when I was sort of younger and didn't actually study the Christian faith very deeply, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I do sometimes sort of wonder how my life might have turned out differently if I had taken the time or had known about like the beautiful and profound wisdom that was mm-hmm. contained in the scriptures mm-hmm. um, but that needs to be interpreted by wiser men than myself mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to 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 recognize that wisdom mm-hmm. and I think this was something that helped that happened to me that that I was only for the first time able to appreciate once Jordan Peterson sort of broke onto the scene mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately through a particularly politically mm-hmm. controversial uh, uh, event, but that then allowed the attention to turn on his other work, which which gave us a lot of beautiful bridges between like old religious scripture and and sort of the Christian tradition and our modern day life lived reality. Yeah. So the the Christ, like the, the Bible lectures that he put out on YouTube and that he that he did in these theaters really, at least me gave be a basic understanding mm-hmm. of what kind of value on the psychological level at least and i think there's much more value than on that level uh, is contained in those stories and not only in those stories but in the the things that those stories make people do when they take them seriously mm-hmm. and so i think that that is a beautiful project that he sort of brought to the world and that we can take a lot of value from but it needn't end with Jordan Peterson. It can be something that every practitioner of the Christian faith, and by extension then I think all Abrahamic faiths, and even people who, don't, who, who didn't grow up in those uh, traditions, mm-hmm. to take a lesson from and to reinterpret scriptures and, and the, the, the written accounts of the actions of the people that, that these stories were written mm-hmm. about in a way that, that sheds light on what they did why they did what they did, and how what they did led to a better world for themselves and the people around them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there's this beautiful, beautiful book that I want to, that I've been starting to give to people around me that I think really captures this idea very well, which is called A Lodging of Wayfaring Men by Mm -hmm. Paul Rosenberg, and then the follow-on work, which is called Breaking Dawn. Mm -hmm. And in those two books, Rosenberg talks about the book of action Mm -hmm. or the book of acts uh, which is basically a a document or rather it is the account of the actions of the people who do as Jesus did Mm -hmm. but the account is not captured in words Mm -hmm. the account is captured in the effects of the actions of Mm -hmm. the people that do those actions Mm -hmm. and so I I want to bring in something uh, sort of maybe we can round it off with this because we're already at quite some time with this Mm -hmm. conversation. Maybe we can return to this. But Mm -hmm. um, I've recently, like, with that tree metaphor, or that tree parable that I just explained earlier, um, I had an insight of what made us go astray in a sense with this sort of modernist project that, that so many people are currently both attacking and defending vehemently. Like we have this, this whole controversy over postmodernism and its contribution to political discord and modernism and its oppressive uh, uh, sort of nature mm-hmm. and of leasing off of like all this stuff. And so I think I have a possible way of inviting people into a more apt and accurate understanding of what each of those ways of viewing and being in the world contributes to the conversation and mm-hmm. how we can synthesize them into something that, remains like that that maintains the value of each of them while bringing them into again the proper relationship that Mm -hmm. builds something new Mm -hmm. so here it goes so modernism the modernist project, the enlightenment the renaissance was a project of construction right it was a project of constructing technology uh, ways of being, uh, ways of viewing the world, perspectives, methods, methodologies, technology—all the, these things that allow humans to extend their agency from literally just their body and their mind out into the world and, and, and through time—that mm-hmm. allows them to um, to capture more energy from the environment, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. to 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 make nature their slave and to be the master over it that allows humanity to grow beyond the very small tribal and 150 people level, right? The Dunbar's mm-hmm. number.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the the mathematical structure <laughs> of the modernist project is the line. Hmm. The li- what is a line? A line is a stringing together of point after point after point after point after point
2: mm-hmm.
1: of reference. Mm-hmm. Points of reference are what we do when we take an experience, a perspective, an event that occurs to us or that we make happen in the world, and we capture it, we reference it, we represent it, we make it possible to view again. Mm -hmm. It's literally an extension of our memory. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about that is that we can extend our memory not only in a way that allows us, ourselves, to view it again, but also other people. And so we can bring into coherence, not just our internal being, but also the people around us with our own view of the world, our own perspective. Mm-hmm. And so the, the modern project was a massive project of stringing together individual perceptions, like empirical evidence, mm-hmm. right, to be able to chart cause and effect relationships out that allow us to view the stimulus response mechanism in action in mm. ourselves and in the world around us and to substitute new responses to the now visible sort of automatic deterministic mm. responses. And so the, that was a beautiful thing It allowed us to massively expand our capacity to produce energy, to, to, to harvest things in the agriculture, to challenge all of this stuff. What it also did though is it emphasized the most successful perspectives that allowed us to do that over and above and against all the perspectives of the people who were not able to participate in that. Hmm. And so the postmodern reaction to this project is one of hey, beautiful thing you're doing there, line with point after point after point after point, but all of these points are just the points that you yourself are perceiving, and you hmm. are leaving out all these other points that are. All around all the points that you have on your line in a flat network of, of or graph of graph of uh, nodes mm-hmm. that you are leaving out and that you're not actually shedding light on mm-hmm. so it's it's a reaction of the people who didn't benefit from modernity from the enlightenment against the 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 modernist project the also mostly European sort of enlightenment project mm-hmm. that that partially also destroyed the way of life of some people and both within our societies as well as within other societies that was already in a functional arrangement with the environment around them. Mm-hmm. And so it said you're, you're destroying and oppressing other viewpoints by making your viewpoint the only one, the objective mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. that leaves out all those other subjective perceptions mm-hmm. and this is a very powerful and valuable contribution to the conversation because there is no such thing as complete objectivity that any uh, human can have that's the provi- like the, the the providence of god that's just the only god mm-hmm. can have full objectivity because he can has omniscience and all those things mm-hmm. and so what we call objective is just the most accepted and most evidenced and most sort of powerfully visible view of the world. And so with postmoderns reacting, against that, they sort of put every single node now into a flat graph of nodes. And what is a flat graph of nodes? There's no way of assigning importance to any particular node over any particular other node. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of this disintegrating effect again, this destructive, this criticism, literally the critical, right? Mm -hmm. The critical and deconstruction attitude Mm -hmm. that, that, that also makes people so incredibly nihilistic and anti-life and anti-religious and anti-science and all of these things against any structured human activity. Mm -hmm. The problem is that then got mixed up with the political project of tearing all of those structures down Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. that's still underway. And now we have this, this horrible opposition between these two capacities, which are two Powerful, beautiful, valuable capacities to construct something up and to tear something down. And these need to be brought into proper relationship where we gain the new capacity of engaging these two modes, construction and tearing down, Mm -hmm. deconstruction, to deconstruct old, decrepit, ossified structures that no longer serve the life that they are supposed to enable Mm -hmm. and to construct new structures that more fully express life and give people and and humans and all these things a better way of being. Mm -hmm. And so that not only has to happen once and in one place, but at all times in all places so Mm -hmm. that we gain the ability to point to oppressive structures and to tear those down and to build up powerful structures that lift people up. Mm -hmm. And so the synthesis out of all of this then is Uh, Another mathematical structure, that is the tree. Hmm. Hmm. A tree is the synthesis of the line Hmm. and the graph. Hmm. A graph is that network. The -hmm. line is a particular path that you chart through the graph along specific nodes. Mm -hmm. And so a tree is the the branching pathways that are visible from the perspective of a single node. And so the way that we can uh, uh, sort of now synthesize all of this is to uh, have people understand themselves as one node in this network of perception, of experience, of knowing sort of a fract- like a fraction of God in a sense, a fraction of life, a fraction of the universe, having a, a frac- fractal and fragmented perspective of the world mm-hmm. that allows them to see only a particular perspective right like Mm -hmm. everything outside of our view is literally not visible to us Mm -hmm. so what technology allows us to do is to bring into view things that are not Mm -hmm. visible to us right now right here Mm
2: -hmm.
1: videos conversations podcasts all of these things which is what the current technological project is giving us a much broader range of expression for us to to be able to perceive other things we are not immediately aware of and let those influence our lives and so now then with that tree structure in front of you you can conceive of your path through life as one that you yourself have to chart down that branching tree structure where at each particular point each particular step that you take to another new node another new state of being another new moment in your life as one among two or more steps that you could take and not just now but at every single future point in life You can choose to go this way or that way. And it branches out into the future and it's up to you to define what path you want to take. Hmm. And so then we have a way of giving people uh, or or we have a way of understanding both the beautiful things about modernism, the constructive capacity, the the beautiful things about postmodernism, the destructive capacity or critical perspective. Mm -hmm. And then to bring them into a proper relationship, make a new thing a dynamic relationship between chaos and order happen mm-hmm. that has the spark of divinity within them and allows the spark of divinity within each of us to be fully expressed and to to move out into the world and bring into resonance the whole human body
0: mm. what what um, that kind of brought up for me was the the thought of you know i think at the heart of of the scientific method is this um, dual motion of analysis and synthesis. So the tearing down of some kind of previous conception combined with the reconnecting in new ways. So you're creating a network um, out of kind of previously ambiguous and um, uh, problematic concepts that you've come in with. Right. And so, yeah, I think that that has to play out at all levels that we analyze to, by breaking things down into pieces, uh, then we understand how to, to fit those pieces back together, right? And that somehow in being a person, we are at the dynamic core of this process, right? Like taking yes. in um, what exists, <laughs> um, a- analyzing it down into components and synthesizing it into new things. And we have to keep that process going Um, kind of at all levels within us and outside of us.
1: Right. And that that is the fundamentally human thing, the thing that makes us different from all other animals, Mm -hmm. which is the ability to pause, Mm -hmm. to not immediately execute that script that genetics writes in us, Mm -hmm. and instead to choose to substitute the the scripted response with a momentary intelligent uh, response that we select Mm -hmm. out of like sort of Building up that capacity the, the branching tree structure literally in our brain in our neurology, mm-hmm. right? And so The the like science basically did that as just as you said like the ability to analyze things tear them apart That's a scientific capacity right to mm-hmm. to separate something that seems one
2: mm-hmm. and
1: make it into objects, right? Mm-hmm. but the problem with that is that that then disintegrates mm-hmm. everything
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and obscures and blinds us to the relational quality between those things, mm-hmm. where, where it's not just objects that are sort of separated in space and don't have a relationship to each other, but the sort of universal flow between all of these objects that mm-hmm. happens through them. And so, this is an understanding I think we need to reappropriate and bring into relationship with the sort of scientific understanding that things are not just objects that are sort of all like turtles all the way down, right? Which is what right. the scientific uh, community is currently so occupied with doing. Like, what is the fundamental particle? Mm-hmm. You will never find it. Mm-hmm. You will mm-hmm. never be able to assemble a technology f- capable enough to point to the single most fundamental unit um, because it's all like energy all the way down in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. it's God all the way down <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and all the way up. And, and this sort of then brings us to... Uh, to a, a, I think a way that we can think of a new cause or rather the eternally old, but like revivified new cosmology of God is sort of this, the God is present in the singularity point from which the big bang erupted all the, like those billions of years ago. Mm-hmm. And what happens is he, because he is sort of condensed into one point and all knowing uh, uh, sort of omniscient or powerful in that point, he knows himself uh, 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 so from that God perspective. Mm. He needs to subdivide, fragment, expand himself out and structure himself internally into us, into mm. animate matter, into life itself, to know himself not only from the full view, but also from the fragmented view from us as mm. humans. So we need to, like, he knows himself more. Mm. He, he knows himself more by knowing himself through the fragments of our perception mm. of him. And so he expands out. And so the task of life then, and which is God itself himself, again, is to fully express. Like, or rather, what, what is God? God is energy in that sense, like not in the woo-woo sense, but like, literally energy, right? Like, our universe is matter, but matter. What is matter? Matter is just incredibly dense and regularized mm-hmm. energy frequencies, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we are finding also with the wave and the particle. There is no such thing as the wave and the particle it's a it, they call it now a wavicle. <laughs> uh it's basically just we can point to smaller and smaller things by making visible uh more infinitesimally small waves in sort of that frequency of energy uh like yeah resonance or or yeah like like movement and so what is uh what is life life is matter Mm -hmm. but matter brought into relationship with each other in a way that makes itself reproduce a structure Mm -hmm. that like that that complexifies itself upward Mm -hmm. and 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 reproduces through time
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right and so then uh what happened on our planet and probably also on other places that have been blasted by an inordinate amount of energy from an external energy source called the sun Mm -hmm. uh, is to self-complexify to build up that structure And to complexify upward into where we are right now with humans being sort of one of the latest, most uh, large-scale expressions of that, Mm -hmm. um, by a process called dissipation-driven adaptation, which is a theory of abiogenesis, the way Mm -hmm. that life emerges from non-life, first uh, explored by Jeremy England, a very young, actually, physics professor, um, and is now close to be, or depending on whose perspective you want to trust, already proven that this is the way that life emerges and also uh, continues to exist, which is basically just a a restatement of the third law of thermodynamics. The third law of thermodynamics says that um, it's basically all about how uh, um, a, a particular structure Uh, can more effectively dissipate energy to its surroundings Mm -hmm. than anything else. So it's energy dissipation or entropy dissipation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happens on our planet is we get blasted with energy. The planet self-complexifies into organic matter and like life, single-celled organisms. And then that just, what does it? It splits itself into like two, reproduces, right? Single-celled organisms, they reproduce by splitting into two. They Mm -hmm. make two out of one. Mm-hmm. And then once you have two out of one, the, the, the sort of new two thing can enter into relationship with the other two things and build up. And so mm-hmm. you have multicellular life. And then that process just repeats, 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 repeats at all scales and through time. Mm-hmm. And so then you have life taking over the planet. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, once we get good at this thing <laughs> here on the planet, to also spread Mm -hmm. like seeds into other parts of the universe and so then you have also to round this off and complete it the movement of life from that singularity point of uh, coming into existence from inorganic matter to the sort of complete and utter uh, um, exponential expression of that principle Mm -hmm. into all of existence of life being so all-consuming that life now is via everything that exists and everything is in relationship with everything else mm-hmm. and condensing again, pulling the universe back together mm-hmm. again into one single point and the whole thing starts again.
0: Mm. Well, that, so there's there's so many connections there um, and um, I'm thinking about um, Tipler's Omega Point Theory, which we've talked about in some other context and there's so, so many other things. But yeah, I think that's a great place for us to kind of, close that off and we can, there's so many other things that we can kind of talk yes. about in maybe future conversations. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, obviously the, <laughs> there's so much ground to cover and, uh, to think about there, um, for people who are, uh, watching or listening, is there a place where they should kind of follow what you're thinking about or working on?
1: Sure. Yeah. They can just go to my website at existentialventures.co, not Mm -hmm. .com but Mm -hmm. .co, um, which is where I have my personal website and where I share with people my thinking, my my current activities. There's a a now page where people can read what I'm up to right now. And there's a here page, which is where people can read where I am right now Mm -hmm. and where I will be through time. Mm -hmm. And and then there's also different links to other places that I think are valuable places to visit. And the other thing I would recommend people is to, um, yeah, pay more attention to the world around you and within you and to to really uh, increase your focus on the the things where you yourself could do just a slightly better job of Mm -hmm. helping yourself, taking care of yourself so you gain more freedom to help the people around you and to invite them into a, a more more full expression of the life and the spark of divinity that is within you and within the people around you
0: yeah yeah absolutely um well yeah thanks so much um it's been a yeah very (laughs) very uh fun conversation and um i think there's there's uh, a lot of of thoughts that i've been tracking down that like we'll be able to probably tease out in in some fuller ways in the future so anyway thanks thanks moritz and uh
2: we'll talk later My pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.